Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the For the Town podcast. Uh, my name is Brian Doback, and I'm the pastor at Streamsong Church in Doylestown. Uh, on this podcast, we're seeking to discover God, the, uh, the God-given creativity and drive and passion of people and leaders uh, within the Doylestown and Central Bucks community. And uh, we're doing this by interviewing local entrepreneurs, philanthropists, educators, business leaders, uh, stay-at-homes, healthcare professionals, people in governance and employees of all levels and really to uh, build community and to uh, celebrate them and to highlight their particular role in the community and to give you uh, as the listeners a path on how to connect with them if you're interested in connecting with them. So uh, today on the show, uh, we have uh, Ariel Verk. Um, hey, what's up, Ariel? Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me on. Yeah, super glad to have you. Really appreciate it. Um, man, can you just start off by uh, uh, introducing yourself? Uh, we know your name now, um, but uh, man, uh, do you have a family, kids, um, mar married? Uh, tell us about you, uh, what's going on uh, in the home. Yeah, so um, I'm married. <laughs> um, I live right in the borough of Doylestown. I'm happily married to, you know, my high school sweetheart. Um, we've been married for, oh my gosh, I think almost three years. Um, it's it's kind of sad that I almost forgot that. <laughs> like, so almost three years. Um, it's great. I mean, we're kind of dealing, you know, with um, a world trauma right now. But I mean, we're good. Me and my husband are safe. So we're thankful for that. Good, good. Yeah. Glad to hear. Um... I like to ask people because being a father, um, a husband and a father of two daughters, ages five and three, and not doing things perfectly, um, in your case, being married, uh, you know, we've been married for 10 years this year, um, but I still like asking, I don't care if you've been married for two years, five years, or 10 years, I love to just ask people, like, what are you learning about, you know, um, being a spouse. I mean, cause I'm taking advice always like, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's sometimes a challenge. What are you learning? Um, I guess for me, especially during this time of quarantine in particular, and then just like outside of quarantine, I feel like I'm learning that a part of marriage is not being self-focused. And I oftentimes feel like our world is very self-focused and being from America, like coming from an individualistic culture, we have a tendency to be very self-focused and I just have to keep always keep in mind that, you know, it's not just me, it's two of us in one house and making sure that my partner is feeling safe, valued and worth it throughout the whole time. And especially during quarantine, I remember like we were, you know, getting a little bit more stressed out because we were around each other all the time. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, not only were we dealing with kind of the sense of that we don't know what's going to go on and we don't know how the economy is going to go or we don't know what's going to be in the future but i guess our constant was that you know god put us together for a reason and our constant is that you know regardless of what's going to happen like we both have the same solid foundation so that's i guess what we've been learning through our time and i guess just the importance of patience and really looking at the other person's needs as well instead of being self-focused that's really good. I, I appreciate that. Um, so you, uh, like, tell us a little bit about your backgrounds. Um, you're not from Doylestown, right? Uh, how did you, like, make your way to Doylestown? 
Okay, um, so I was born in Newark, New Jersey. Um, and then, oh my gosh, I feel like we moved a lot. Um, so originally from New York, and uh, no, originally from Newark, and then we moved to New York City. And then we moved to New Jersey, Phillipsburg, New Jersey. It's like right by Flemington. And then my parents always wanted me and my cousin to go to a um, private school. And my cousin has lived with me, she's like my sister, um, to go to private school in, um, in Pennsylvania, Plumstead Christian School. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. Um, and luckily my best friends were going there too from the same school we were in in New Jersey. And so we both, we all just kind of went to Plumstead Christian. That's kind of how I ended up living in Chalfont because my parents were like, let's move so then we don't have to drive like an hour and literally 20 minutes to get to school every day. So we kind of just, that's how I ended up here. And I ended up loving it. Like yeah. I've, I mean, I've been around small towns, but like, I feel like Doylestown has such a like distinct culture. And I feel like I've always like been attracted to it. So I've, I kind of ended up just staying here. So that's awesome. Yeah. And that was going to be like the next question I like to ask people because Doylestown is such like a unique place. Um, one of the mo more unique towns that I've ever been in and experienced. Um, like, what do you love about Doylestown? Like, why, why are you still here? You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like, um, you know, growing up as a teenager, like in Doylestown, I would always go to like Planet Smoothie or always go to like hang out in the borough. And I remember just loving it. And I remember just like, it feeling like a place where we could go out and luckily we're fortunate and privileged enough to live a place where we don't have to like fear for our safety, which yeah. is great. And so like, I knew that my parents would just let me go out and have fun. So, which is great. Um, and then I, something that I just love is that there's such a, like, I guess like cool underground culture here. Like there's like artists, there's like, like musicians that come here. Um, there's like advocacy work here. And I feel like you don't find that unless you plug yourself into the culture of it. And yeah. I feel like there's so many layers to Doylestown. And I feel like at first sight, you may feel like, oh, this is just a really rich area. And you know, every, like, you know, we all think it is a privileged area. So then once you kind of like start to fit in, like, you know, go into the culture, there's so many avenues that you can do to promote advocacy and just like, I love like going to Siren Records and like I remember bands being played there in the summers and I just thought that was so cool or like doing the arts festival like I loved going to the arts festival every summer like I remember literally my wedding was on the arts festival and I stayed right at the Dollstown Inn and I was literally walking with my wedding dress looking at art like <laughs> before I went to my wedding venue. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so awesome. I just like love the culture of it. I just feel like it's so fun and open. And honestly, like, I feel like there's so many avenues that and most people can fit in. So I yeah. feel like it's great. That's great. You mentioned um, Planet Smoothie and uh, Nano's earlier. Yeah. Like, I like to ask people because there's so many like great restaurants and just oh, boutiques yeah. and like cafes. Like what's your favorite restaurant in Doylestown? Oh, see, I... That's a hard question because I feel like I, like I'm in the mood, like I like base what I want on my mood that day. So it's like, okay, so I really love Paganini's because they make their pasta from scratch, but then I love cross culture because they have really good Indian food yes. and like they make it the way that um, I really like it particularly. So, and they add like extra spices and I just love that. And um, I just think it's really cool. Like you get to know the owners of the restaurants too. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's crazy that the owner of Cross Culture is like from the same town my dad is from in India. Oh, so oh. it was like so cool, so cool to know that. And like, 
you'll see like so many other like you just the thing of it is it's a, it's a small community but like it's it's so multifaceted like you you can't believe how many people like come to Doylestown and you know unless you get to know them like like you get to know how great they are and you get to know their background I just think that's so great and that's what's cool about Doylestown yeah that's awesome what are uh I'm curious like what are like your uh, it could be anything yeah what are, like your three favorite things <laughs> it could be anything oh okay <laughs> like in general yeah okay um mm. oh my gosh let me think about this um i one of my favorite things i'd say is like i guess like spending time with my dogs <laughs> like i guess that's one um like i'm obsessed with my animals <laughs> like i'll say good night to them and like my husband is thinking i'm saying good night to him but i should probably get better at that but i'm saying good night to my dogs <laughs> um and i guess um i'm really i guess one other thing that's like one of my favorite things is I really, really enjoy, this is, I mean, I'm 25 years old, but I love playing video games. I enjoy them so much. Like, I just find them so therapeutic, and I'm like, this is my self-care, so I will practice it and be an advocate for it. Um, And then, I guess another favorite thing of mine is I really like, I really enjoy coffee. Like, (laughs) I will, like, literally sit in a coffee shop in town, and, like, I will just, like, I'm still drinking coffee today. Like, the coffee that I'm still having. Yeah. since morning like I will just drink it throughout the day so awesome. I just feel like it's so comforting for me so yeah good good yeah my three I think are at least two I can think of off the top of my head are uh, ice cream mm. and um I love movies yes. and um I can't think of a third one off the top of my head but anyway one of the things like I really appreciate about you um is uh your your biracial ethnicity mm-hmm. um can you talk about that? Like, talk about your heritage and like the implications of it on your life and like what you've learned. Um, I really just want to like hear more about that. Yeah. So, um, I think being biracial is so interesting, and I feel like it is. I feel like this would be written about way more because I feel like it is such an experience. Because not only am I biracial, but I'm also American, so it's a multiracial experience. So you're, you're so for the listeners, you're you're Indian and what what else? Honduran. Honduran. So okay. My dad is from a village in India, and he's from the state of Punjab. And then my mom is from Tegucigalpa, Honduras. And it's so funny they literally met in a Burger King in Newark. Like it was just crazy how they met. So, like I know it's so random. Like you never think like oh Burger King, <laughs> but um, so but yeah. And met then, the Outback Steakhouse. So what? My wife and I met in the Outback Steakhouse, so it's kind of... Oh my gosh, that's so great. Like, I feel like when I tell people that, like, they met in a restaurant, they're like, wow, two people from two different countries, like, so crazy. But, like, I love stories like that. Like, it's, I feel like some of it is just, like, so God-ordained, and I love it. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think, like, it was, growing up, I think it was, like, very difficult for me to figure that out. I predominantly went to private schools, and I've just noticed that private schools have a tendency to be more like um, predominantly white, which is nothing wrong. I just felt like I stood out definitely. Um, And I remember like being in Spanish class and being like, like I know all this, like why am I in Spanish class? But like the teacher would still ask me the questions, like not knowing that like I knew it. And so I was like, I just remember feeling like super, like like I felt like I kind of had to hide it a little bit. 
because I felt like it wasn't maybe, or like people, I noticed that kids in general, when they don't know something, when they're not experiencing something different from them, they're going to, you know, make fun of it a little bit. But I remember being in high school and being a little embarrassed by it. And I feel like that in a sense is because of the age I was in high school. And um, I just remember being like, you know, my parents, one, like my dad's side of the family would come to school plays in like saris. And like, it was like, we were the only ones that were, you know, dressed in saris or like, like I remember even having like samosas for breakfast, but then like rice and beans and like Honduran baleadas at nighttime. Like, so I guess the one thing that was, I absolutely loved is the mixture of food. Like, I feel like I've got to experience so much diversity in my house in terms of like food and culture. Like even at my wedding, like we, I literally made sure we had to do like Punjabi Indian music on one song and then Spanish music on another and then like English music on another, like literally on that rotation. So everyone felt included. That sounds like a marriage, a wedding I would have loved to have gone to. <laughs> I, I still think like, I remember fondly of it because I just love it. Like, and it's so fun because it's like both like, I mean, this is probably like more stereotype, but like I noticed both my families love to dance, like absolutely love to dance. So it's great because they were able to meet on that same level. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like dancing like the Indian traditional bhangra or like, you know, merengue or like um, bachata, like it was just such a combination of dancing. Mm. So that's what I loved. Um, and I guess like a lot of my work in therapy is going to be related to biracial and like I'm doing my own research about it and like trying to include it with mental health. And so I like really do appreciate it. I think oftentimes I feel a push and pull at times like, oh, I feel more Indian or like, oh, I feel more Honduran one day. And I often feel like biracial individuals may feel a little bit maybe excluded because you may not feel you're like, I noticed that some family members will say, oh, but you're not fully Indian. Or the other one will be, oh, but you're not fully like Latina. So I feel like it's a whole, I think it's a whole journey. And I still think I'm figuring out um, how to go about it and how to have a balance. I say, I will always say I'm full Indian and I'm full Honduran. So I'll just say like, I'm both. Yeah. So not just half. So I feel like it's, it's something that's really important to me. And I feel like it has really shaped the way I view other people, people of color in particular. So, yeah. Have you experienced, you know, like, um, uh, like even just like the subtle, uh, just the subtle like remnants of like discrimination and mm-hmm. like racism is such a huge thing today. It always has been, but yeah, we're really and, seeing it come out on like the, the, in the, you know, in the limelight. And um, how is that, have you, has, has that impacted you in any way? Yeah. I mean, I think I like the little microaggressions here and there, like I definitely do still face them today. Like, even like a couple weeks ago like I was like driving and like someone didn't like the way I was driving and they like pulled their like window down and said to go back to your country and like I found that ironic because I'm literally born in New York New Jersey I'm like I was like I'm born here so country (laughs) I know and I was like I'm from here and then like I guess it's just like the assumption that because I look different that I'm from another country and then also like I remember like one experiences was like um like I, randomly at Wawa and I just remember like having to experience like a negative word that someone said to me and like it was like a derogatory word for Hispanics 
And I just remember being kind of shocked by that. Like, I just felt like almost stunned in that moment. Like, I was like, I don't know how to deal with that. Like, I, like, I felt like, I felt like very uncomfortable and I just felt like I didn't know how to deal with that in the moment. So I just decided to walk away. Um, but like, yeah, so I feel like I get it here and there. And then I also get it some, for some other, um, for my own like, um, groups. So I get it like in terms of like, from my Indian community that like, oh, but you're not fully, so you don't, you don't speak for Indian, like you don't speak as an Indian or like the same with my, like certain Hispanic communities, like they'll be like, but you're not really Latina because you're half. Yeah. So like at times it always felt kind of like I wasn't included even in like American culture because I was like, like going to Plumstead and while I enjoyed my time there, I was like the only brown person in my class. And like, I feel like that kind of, oh, well, I'm happy I went there because I kind of like spoke out about those things. It did feel like, I did feel a little bit different because it was like, it was just, it was a weird experience. And I think I'm thankful that I went through it because it kind of shaped me and who I am today because I used to suppress it a lot, but now I feel a lot more proud of it. So yeah, I feel like I do get those microaggressions here and there and sometimes outward racist comments. But my thing is like, no one learns through shaming. And even if that's people that like are racist, I don't think that they're going to learn through shaming. I think they're going to learn through education and they're going to learn through educating themselves about cultural issues and systemic issues and about different cultures. So that is my approach on it. Yeah. And so you are... Um you went to uh, talk about your, uh, just a little bit about your graduate school and then share with us uh, what you do. Um, Cause you just graduated from graduate school, right? Yeah. And where was that? At Arcadia University. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was Arcadia University in Glenside, PA. It's like right by Mount Airy. Um, I did a, I joined their um, master's in counseling program. And the reason why I chose that school initially was because they emphasized multicultural competency in literally every class. And I was like, I've never gotten that. And so I really wanted that background and I really wanted that experience. And I feel like when I first went into um, that program, I was definitely intimidated because I felt like growing up, I was never given the words to describe like racial identity or to describe like racial microaggressions that I may have received. Cause I know a lot of times, at least in my own parents' lives, like in the immigrant mentality in their lives in particular is that people are gonna say things to you, but you just move on. And a hundred percent, I agree with that. And that is needed to survive as an immigrant. But like at times I feel like we need to address these systemic issues. And like, we need to talk about it so that these people can learn from that. And so that's why I chose Arcadia at first, because I was like, I want to learn how to like literally sit with racial identity in the mental health field. And like my big thing about going to Arcadia was that they not only included like mental health issues, but they included environmental issues. They included like systemic issues. They included intergenerational and ancestral traumas and how that plays into communities of color today. Wow. And so it was great. I did. Um, my concentrations were child and adolescent and clinical trauma. And so I absolutely loved it. It was a three-year program. It really kicked my butt. I'll be honest. Um, I was exhausted and I feel like, but it, it never, I felt like it prepared me so well. It prepared me so well. Wow. That's great. So you're, so, uh, I mean, you literally just graduated like a month ago, right? Congrats, first of all. Thank Uh, you. uh, 
And then you're finding work now, which is great at such a weird time with the pandemic. So you're, if I have it right, you're a, a child trauma therapist. Is that like your title? So my title is like a master's level clinician, but like I like to work with um, adolescents predominantly. Um, like I did, I worked in um, uh, Central Behavioral Health in Norristown for internship and I did more adolescents and then um, a lot of them were Spanish speaking. So I often did like that, um, did therapy in Spanish, but now I'm working in a private practice in Doylestown, so which is great because I can literally walk to work. So I'm thankful for that. Mm. Um, but it's definitely a different experience. I feel like when I was working in a community setting and it was a nonprofit, they were under a lot of barriers that they often faced. And so like there was not enough access to help people that don't speak English. So I often had to like translate a lot and like literally translate documents. And that was just a whole bunch of the work, but I appreciate it because I feel like I got such a diverse like experience there. Like I was really pushed out of my limit a lot of times, but I felt very, I feel very prepared. So now I'm working at a private practice in Doylestown. And what's that practice called? It's called Welsh therapy. Okay, cool. And it's, it's so great. Like, um, I told you how I met my boss literally at Nano's yes. and she's just the best. Like she's so open to what I want to do. Like my big thing is kind of reaching the biracial community and also people of color, different people of color communities. Um, and like really addressing any systemic issues that play into each of our clients' lives, because regardless of what clients say, there's probably some outside experiences that they may, that will contribute to mental health. Mm -hmm. So that is like, that is my big thing. Yeah, man, that's awesome. What a, what do you like, uh, obviously you love what you do. Um, you are, I was going to ask, what do you love about like your job? But you've given me so many things. It sounds like you love about it. Like, so what about like, what do you least enjoy about mm. your job? Oh, I guess like what I least enjoy, huh? I would say probably, I guess the, hmm, the, when I honestly, when I have to do some confrontation work with clients or like addressing some, you know, discrepancies here and there, especially with like adolescents, um, I don't like to be the bad guy <laughs> oftentimes. And like, I noticed that when I'm at, um, like being such at such a young age, they really do see me as a friend and also saying like, I am a friend, but I'm also your therapist. Like, and so um, I guess like that, like, and I don't honestly don't like the technical aspect of like, um, like doing paperwork and stuff like that. That is probably my least favorite thing to do. Yeah. I do not like doing paperwork. I hear that. Yeah. And what do you, uh, you know, what, why do you like, I mean, I was gonna say like, why do you do what you do? Like besides that alarm clock and like a paycheck, like, what wakes you up in the morning? Like what's, what's motivating you and inspiring you? Like, you know, like during these hard days we're in, like, yeah. what, what is like waking you up to face like a new day? So, I mean, I've had experience with therapy and I think it was so transformative depending on the therapist that you have, I feel. And like, my thing is, I feel like mental health is just as important as physical health. And like now, I mean, before there was a stigma of mental health, even in American culture, but also in communities of color, there's still a stigma. And in like first generation, I believe that there's a stigma of mental health. And I feel like we, 
we need to address that. And I feel like people don't think about how much it affects your life, but it really does affect your life. And it affects the people around you and your family. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I could use my advocacy work, addressing any systemic issues, addressing any oppressive factors that are in our clients' lives, like I feel like, like I feel like it just feel, if I help someone at the end of the day, even if it's a little way, little ways, I feel so good about it. Like I feel like I'm, I just feel like I love talking to people and I love sitting with them and I love sitting with like walking alongside with them and addressing their traumas. Like that is what I enjoy. Like I'm just so motivated to help them. Like I just enjoy it. And I think it's a God given joy for sure. That's awesome. That's awesome. And um, you know, you have a, I guess like when you were, when you're working with a client, um, it's probably never easy. I mean, is there ever like a, like a, like an, an efficient, like kind of simple client case? Um, are they like all marathons, you know, like, because you, you talk about like, you love like those small things. Like if you can help people out in like small ways, um, but are, are these like long-term marathons that you're on with people and like, you know? Yeah. So I feel like there are, there are people that may not necessarily, I think everyone's problem is very real to them. Mm-hmm. And so I try not to invalidate it or compare it to others. But my thing is like, I feel like your trauma is your trauma and you're going to think it's big however much, you know, you think it's big. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I may have my own judgments about what is considered, you know, trauma, but I think trauma is, anyone's trauma is real trauma. And so I may have my own biases about like how other people have gone through a lot more barriers. But the thing is, everyone probably is experiencing barriers and everyone, regardless of race or gender identities. I mean, people with race or gender identities face a lot significant barriers. But I think almost every client that walks in through my door has faced a certain trauma or barrier is experiencing trauma currently. And I feel like there's, I guess, I, I wouldn't say there's easy clients. I would say that every client is complex, just like humans. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you think you are complex, your clients are complex because they're human too. So it's like, yeah, I just feel like there's no easy client. I mean, certain clients, you know, have, what is it, quote unquote, easier to solve, like have easier ways to solving problems. Mm-hmm. But I think that like, even if it's coming to get them connected to a doctor or get them connected to medicine to help their mental health, just to deal with it in the moment, mm. even if it's getting them connected to like groups that are more accepting of them, like, I think that that is helping. Like, this is why I love, what I love to do is because we can use a whole collaborative process to help clients to make life more manageable. Mm. And like life is already hard as it is. And if I can just like tweak it a little bit just to help like give them circles of socialness that they can be feel accepted into, especially for adolescents. Like that is, that is something I love to do. So I feel like there's no easy client because I think everyone is complex. Yeah. And like we're complex. Yeah. The world is very complex. Yes. You know, it's a very cruel world. Um, So when you, when you put those two together, I mean, it's hard for everybody. Um, Yeah. There's no question about it. And like, mm-hmm. it really resonates with me. Um, you talk about getting these adolescents into like some kind of a social circle. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look biblically, um, like God creates us for relationships, yes. you know? So man, when we're like 
when we're missing relationships, like authentic, genuine relationships, um, it starves us, you know, it, we're not getting something that we're supposed to have. Um, so I really appreciate that, how you say, you know, getting these people into social circles. Um, yeah. even, if, if, even, if, even if that social circle is you. you yeah, know? exactly. I feel like everyone needs an ally. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like everyone, regardless if they're an introvert or extrovert, like everyone needs someone to at least go to. Cause like, if anything, like we see more success for therapy when people have social support, whether that's church support, whether that's religious organization support, whether that's friend support, whether that's family support, they they have more successful outcomes of mental health than people that don't have that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's a really good point. Um, man, just to talk a little bit, I want to talk about the pandemic a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not too much, because like, I know everything is all about the pandemic right now. Like, the news and we're, we're all thinking about it nonstop, reading about it, talking about it. So I didn't want to like get into the pandemic too much. So I just have like a couple of questions. Um, you know, uh, like, what are you, how is like the, how is the pandemic impacting you? And it's like, what are you learning in, uh, in this unique time about yourself? I think in a sense, the pandemic is impacting me like, in a sense, like it's impacting a lot of people where it is a world trauma and we're not the only country to experience it. It's almost every country that's experiencing it. And so I feel like luckily, like I'm able to have a house and I'm able to have a place that I know I can come home to. So in a sense, I'm very grateful for the privilege that I'm able to have and the ability to be able to still work. Um, And I do experience certain anxiety when it comes to it because I have asthma. And so I just have to be aware and like take a lot more precautions than I'm used to. Um, I'll be honest, like I need to make sure that I wear a mask every time I go out. Like sometimes I'm literally forget it and have to drive all the way back home and bring it back. So I just have to like keep it on me like I keep myself on. And so um, I feel like something I have learned through it about myself in particular is the fact that going out, I used to take for granted a lot a lot significantly and I usually used to think that I'm very much an introvert and while I may still be an introvert I feel like I really value social time and whether it's like even going to a coffee shop and not talking Mm -hmm. it's like I've never felt like I valued that more and so I feel like I took a lot of my maybe socialness with friends socialness with family for granted Mm -hmm. and now I feel like being more aware of that what you know when we come out of the pandemic i mean i don't know when but you know being aware of the privilege i have to be able to be friends with the friends i have or the family that i have like and also i guess just be aware of the privilege i have and having a home and still having a job yeah that's awesome and what are uh you talked a little bit about it um despite this pandemic, I mean, there's so much that, you know, we can complain about and, um, but what are like you, what are you grateful for, you know, despite this uh, pandemic? Yeah. So I guess something I'm grateful for is, hmm, I think the thing I'm most grateful for is to have a, like a person in my house that's supportive. Like my husband is very supportive of me and like things I want to do. And is like very all for like me being independent and like, like, I, I am the type of person that'd be like, oh, I want to start this. Oh, I'm doing this research with this person. Or, like, I am literally everywhere when it comes to, like, 
um, things I want to do. And so like, I just feel like I'm very ambitious and like, he's very like, do it. Like you go for it. Like, and so I'm, I'm thankful that I have a husband that's very lack. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it is like, he cares more about me, like wanting to do my life's work and yeah. like my God, like what I feel like God has given me, like the passions. That's awesome. And, and then I'm also thankful for, I guess, is the fact that I have like a safe home to come to. Like I have never had to deal with like domestic violence or anything like that. Thank God. But like, I know there are people out there that there is an increase in domestic violence and like, like an increase in like, you know, household traumas right now. Cause not everyone's home is the most safest, home, like safest sanctuary. So one thing, I guess I, that is something I need to be aware of too. And like finding ways to help people like that. And I know there's a lot of hotlines, but it's still, you know, we're all stuck at home. So a lot of homes are very traumatic to be stuck at. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. What's, uh, you know, during this time, um, I know even for me, it feels like so many things have been taken away. Um, uh, you know, what do you feel like, you know, has been taken away from you? Like, what are you missing? Hmm. I probably the choice, you know what I'm saying? To go out when I want to. And like, even if it's like, like to even go to a bar, you know what I'm saying? To sit at a bar, like, you know, like, like, and I guess like graduation, you know, cause I, I do feel a sense of loss where I was, I missed out on like literally graduating with my friends that I've made at my master's program or like being able to see them as often or seeing my friends, like my best friends or I guess, oh, and then we were also going to go to New Orleans for my graduation and we had to cancel the trip. I know I love New Orleans, but I mean, you know, the thing is I have to keep in mind that at some point I'll be able to go regardless of age. So I'm like, you know, I have to keep that in mind. And I think it definitely, the sense of loss is there significantly in a sense that I miss like social outings and I miss like being with people and I miss like sitting with people and dealing with different kinds of people. And like, even like I'm doing telehealth from home, like I just feel like my therapy isn't as effective as it would be if I was in person. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love sitting with a client in person. So I guess it's things like that. I definitely get that, you know, as the, as pastor of the church, yeah, um, definitely. I'm able to do zoom calls with people and um, it's just not the same. You're right. It isn't. Or be face to face with uh, folks. Um, so I miss that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I miss gathering, you know, as a church, whether it's Sunday mornings or like a weekday, weeknight small group or something. Agreed. Um, but that face-to-face -face, uh, contact is, is, is critical. It's important. Or, or even like going to church in person. Like I feel like I just, when I'm in person, I learn more instead yeah. of like just, you know, with screens or like seeing it on the computer. I'm like, I get way more distracted at home than when I'm there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And even in kids with school, I'm sure they have trouble paying attention because there's so many distractions at home. Yep, man. Yeah. And before we wrap up, um, how can, you know, if somebody, if somebody, if, an, if, some, if a listener wants to connect with you, mm -hmm. um, how can they connect with you? Remind me again, uh, your practice is called Welsh. Well, it's Lynn Welsh Therapy online, but as short as Welsh Therapy. But you can go on www.lynnwelshtherapy you know, or you can like my Facebook page, Ariel Merrick at Welsh Therapy. Or you can go on Psychology Today and find me in Doylestown. 
like easily. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty accessible. Yeah. And then is there contact information on that website for you personally or, um, yes. Yeah. Are you okay with giving your contact info out? Yeah, you can give you. I mean, you can give my cell phone out. It's fine. It's um, 917-446-8360. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Man, I really appreciate your time, Ariel. Um, I, I love learning more um, about you personally and uh, what you're doing. I'm really uh, uh, grateful that you've been able to find work so quickly after graduation. Yes. Awesome. Thank God. You really seem to be doing something that uh, you're truly passionate about, which is awesome. And you're also like super well equipped to do it. Um, you have like the experience, the backgrounds, um, and also like the very intimate, um, an intimate experience. Like you, 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 you've experienced on some level what these adolescents um, are experiencing. Um, yes, definitely. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for your time, Ariel. I really appreciate it. Letting me be on. Yeah. To all the listeners out there, uh, thanks for listening in. Uh, you can uh, follow us on our YouTube channel, uh, For the Town Podcast. We have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram page. Uh, geez, I think we got it all. We got, um, you can find these podcasts on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, really appreciate you listening in. Reach out to Ariel uh, if there's anything that you want to uh, hook up with her over her work or whatever it is. Um, creating a social circle, um, mm -hmm. by all means, do it. Um, thanks a lot, Ariel, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much. Yeah, take care. Take care. Bye. Bye.